April 30, 2021. It's the for Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday, last day of April. Almost gone. Payday's coming. Started off with John Coltrane with Eric Dolphy. And I think, uh, yeah, Reggie Workman was on the bass, but McCoy on the piano, McCoy Tyner and Alvin Jones on the drums. Every time we say goodbye live in Copenhagen, 1961, and then Amulets observe effect from the new record. And, uh, yeah, people, I'm not man alone. Brother Matt's at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south because we're still quite quartino mode, but not man alone because of those software engineers in Estonia with their scab invention. I got Brother Randall Taylor. Welcome aboard, Randall. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolute. It's a big honor for me to have. I love your music. I love what you're doing. Uh, let, let's explore your journey, how you got to here now. Can you please bring the earliest musical recollection you got? Earliest musical recollection? Like, as far as, like, just playing music or just no, even no, experiencing? I, it, yeah, because I think you experience before you start playing, unless you're a real yeah. kick-ass motherfucker and just start playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not um, a child prodigy at all. Uh, but I think one of the earliest things I remember is, um, I remember my dad, I mean, my dad had a, uh, a record collection and he was just very into just he was just like a rock and roll dad and he um i remember he would play on like sunday mornings he'd play van halen and we would like clean the house <laughs> and i really remember liking van halen a lot and like kiss and like aerosmith and like i think he just would, would play a lot of like these older records and um i think it was just the guitar that drew me i just really remember th like that early stage in my life just being drawn to that arena rock yeah arena rock <laughs> yeah, i know Absolutely. it well i'm 13 years old in 1970 so the first gig me and d boone saw was t-rex mm, yeah okay so that's amazing yeah <laughs> everybody says that <laughs> but it really did happen uh yeah. in this pad you grew up what town was it because you're in portland now right yeah, yeah, I grew up in uh, upstate New York, in like central New York, a little bit south of Syracuse. Oh, you know, there's a lot of music people. Well, more about Hudson Valley, but upstate there, you'd be surprised. I've been talking to a lot of people. Anyway, in the pad that you grew up, was there musical instruments? Um, not really. No, my 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 parents didn't really play um, any musical instruments, um, so we didn't really have them like floating around or anything. They were more listeners. Yeah. Okay. So, what about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? Um, in fourth grade, I started playing clarinet, and I remember doing that for a few years, and I really didn't like it because I wasn't very good at it. Um, and then I think in like seventh grade, I started playing guitar. Okay. And that really. Yeah. How did um, that happen? Kind of how, up everything. How, yeah. How did that happen? Uh, I, I want to know what was the moment that made you switch from the. Licorice stick to the sixth string. <laughs> I think it was just, um, I, I mean, I think that those early influence of like that kind of like arena rock, rock and roll, of just like the idea of being able to play songs and make songs um, appealed to me. And, and, and I think that as a young person, too, I just thought it would be like a much cooler thing to do. And, you know, I probably could get like a girlfriend and like it would be cool to rock out and stuff and all these like young ideas. Um, I think that like they would just drew to me drew me to it and I remember just you know I got my my dad had borrowed a guitar from his friend 
so we could so I could like you know experiment with it and try it out and it was just like this little acoustic guitar but um I remember just <clears throat> learning all the chords and locking myself in my room and learning so many songs ah, and that's so, how it started so yeah. self-taught you didn't have a guitar teacher no I, I eventually got like a, a, a guitar teacher and I had a few lessons but um it really didn't stick and I just kind of yeah, I was. I'm predominantly self-taught for sure. Auto died that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the fancy word. Uh, okay, can I ask you what was the first record you bought with your own money? Um, I think of the first record I bought with my own money. I was really into the Wallflowers, and I remember buying the one headlight, and I think that and like Green Day's Dookie. I think those are two that I early on remember buying. And Wallflower, that's Bobby Dylan's son? Yeah, Jacob Dylan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and then the first gig you went and saw, Randall. Um, who did I see? Oh, I think I, I went with my friends. My friend's mom took us to see Our Lady Peace um, in Syracuse somewhere. I but, remember um, those cats, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like Canadian. Right, yeah, absolute. But you were in upstate yeah. New York, you ain't far away. Exactly. So uh, I remember just being like, Our Lady Peace was a, a cool band, and I liked them. So, um, but that, I think that was one of the first ones, yeah. So now, you moved on from the acoustic to, to an electric guitar, right? Yep. Very, yeah, pretty quickly. And you got an amp. And what did, now, I'm not saying after school, like graduate, but after school in the afternoon, did you get into the mm -hmm. garage band, basement band, bedroom band kind of trip? Yeah, totally. My... Um, so I, I grew up in a very small town in um, a little bit south of Syracuse, and we um, I really remember like getting an electric guitar and just wanting to form a band. And so I, I got my friends to form this like cover band with me, and we would just you know learn and play a lot of our favorite songs. And um, my friend's dad at the time also had a cover band, and he I think this was like part of our influence too. Um, but they had like a, a a barn and they had like a little stage and a PA system where they practiced. So they were able to like, you know, give us that space to go and play and practice. And it was really like a monumental thing to have like a venue slash practice space available to us. Um, and these were grown men and they're sharing it with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that was, that's it was very a huge, to them. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge thing to be able to like, you know, you learn at a young age of like, you know the the how the PA and the mixer works and like you know running the snake like across the room sure. and stuff and like um remember just like really being fascinated by all of it and then just being uh just really into the idea like we had uh, such access to space you know now I want to use a little information I know about you now but was there a parallel universe with tape recorders? Yeah, I think that, like, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I wasn't, you know, my earliest experiences were with, with tapes, I think, were much like everyone else of just, you know, I had a, a tape recorder, and I remember making a lot of mixtapes and recording off the radio, and, and I remember, you know, I had this, I still have it floating around somewhere, like, a couple mixtapes that I made off of, like, K-Rock, and, like, had a bunch of Smashing Pumpkin songs and stuff, and um, just recording stuff off the radio was a big thing. And then, you know, I, I moved on to, to CDs and everything and burning CDs and making my own C mixed CDs from there. But those were some of the first 
experiences I had of just like having a boombox. It's other people's music, but then you start using it as a fucking yeah. instrument itself. Yeah, yeah, that I mean that happened. Um, that happened later for sure, but it okay, was like an okay. early. Um, okay, let's stay in these early days. Did that that barn band ever do any gigs? Oh yeah, we played a lot of gigs. Yeah. Uh, okay. We, Did you guys have yeah, a name? We, what's that? Did you have a name? Uh, yeah, we had a couple. I mean, over the years, I think like from seventh, eighth grade to twelfth grade, you know, I I had I was in various bands. Like it was in a few uh, versions of like you know cover bands that was like we I think our very first band was called Yellow Five, and we were <laughs> named ourselves after some active ingredient in Mountain Dew, and we thought yeah, we were sure, funny. it's a color, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's like that turned into like a different kind of cover band, and then at one point it was it turned into a ska band, it, like, and then it was, um, <laughs> then I was like in a in a side project band that, you know, like I was like trying to be like a real like kind of like pop punk emo band and stuff. I, I went wow. through a lot of different phases, but um, you keep yeah, we played. Co- uh, you keep saying cover band, so you weren't writing your own material yet. Well, in, in the in the pop punk emo band, I was trying to write my own stuff, and that was, and I think a lot of my friends were trying to do a lot of covers and stuff, or just play other people's music. But I had but, a believe you know, me, that's the way me and D boot. No one we knew in the whole seventies wrote their own songs in Pedro. Okay, everybody, the best yeah. dude was the dude who could play Black Dog the best. <laughs> we didn't yeah, think I mean, about I, music was, as a means of expression. You know, it was more like mm-hmm. building models. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I was writing songs by myself, but, you know, trying to bring it to a band and stuff and trying to write that for um, more people, you know, is something I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I eventually started doing more in later bands, but um, early on, it was just like learning a lot of other people's songs. And I think that was, there was a lot of value in that too, of like sure, sure. Learning, learning song structures, learning chord progressions, some wood you know, shit. learning, so learning how some about songs the are made. You're talking about the barn, some woodshed, right? You, you, good yeah. prac, good prac. Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, well, fuck, I want to, th- that's a trip that you were in the emo power pop. I mean, because I'm going to play Whirl, and that is far from, like, emo power pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for no, but sure. that's the way life is, you know? It's, it it trips out like that. Well, and it's funny, too, like, Whirl, like, I brought back an acoustic guitar of, like, you know, like I normally don't play acoustic guitar in, in, you know, in amulets and stuff, but I wanted to, you know, like bring it back in a way that like, you know, I was like, I, I still like playing acoustic guitar, but it just doesn't feel like it has a place anymore. But, you know, I like tried to carve out a place and like, yeah, it's it's different, a lot different of a song, but that was kind of the fun of it. You know, but it's OK to me. Music's music. and It's all vocabulary. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's listen.
Bailey, don't die on me, please. No. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> like you're a whore. <laughs> oh, do function. Oh, the FMP. Bye bye. Uh, it should be on the right side of the board. How you liking uh, level 100? And we got some inside info that uh, you don't want to proceed yet. That makes sense. It worked. Wait, why is it working? It really did. Uh, oh my god. Soon. I'm craving fucking hey, chick. Soon. Okay, Stripping, you good? Did you get it? Especially, I don't think I'm going to Just the snowy tundra and snowy tiger. That's where we're in now, yeah? Snowy tundra. Important, Bailey. Yeah. I don't know the whole thing. That's just toxic. She just assumes the worst of me. Okay. I have no food in the world. Yeah, we're, um. Ah, Mite, Mite card is Okay. No, wait, I asked her for bone meal and stood next to her and. This is cool, man. Disabled range particles. It still looks good even if you disable the. Not like, no, okay, alright. It could have been so much better if she was there, okay. How could Great, I have guys. planted it? Not yet, actually. No, no, no. I'm here, I'm here if you offer. Not yet, I prefer to stay on. It's really hot if you need it. Wait, was that his rifle? Morning. Oh. I might die. Where is he? No. I'm gonna die. No. I'm gonna die. Right. And by, and by stay on this, I mean. License, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. Other news, I have four oh, no. iron now. I I also got quite a lot of gravel, so in case you decide to forget I, gravel again. I mean, that's something again. I would personally like, but I also don't want. I hear him. Where are you, little fucker? Oh. Gather round. Oh, what type of skin is that? All right. Oh, good. All right. Chris, thank you so much, bro. This is the weak village. This is what we call a pathetic village. Oh, I think to make cats. You set your entire piece on fire by accident. Yeah, but I kind of want to kill the end of dragon. I found the It's good to know that I can set my entire place up. Sitting on the ground. Right, that's kind of nuts. The jump thing. Where are you? Oh no. How the frick is it still right? It's hideous. Like, do I have to ride the horse? He's not on the reason. Game. There it is. Nice. Quietly. I mean, actually, all. Patient, how are you? Uh, more like brotherhead of these guys. I tamed a horse. You can go to another world. Thanks for going up against me in the What is club, happening with this? You, you just lost 40, you know what I mean? So for me, it's like. I have no idea what I'm doing. Not like anyone here is kind, but be kind. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I you. Where did you get the chickens from? I threw one egg and I. I can see the surface. Get me out. Oh, Reese, you're my ability. Hey. 
two, three, five. Wait, Give it back. No, it's about one third. Ah, uh, stay down now. Throw it at you. Oh, right. We need to be about again. Yeah, you guys gotta start checking for it. No! Are you playing music for the NPCs? A T1 what? Identity theft is six months. I heard it That's from cool. outside. You put like a something. Alright, this is getting weird. I'm fire, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Load my campfire. I don't like dirt, dirt looks I that's a great question. I thought you were like all knowing or something. No, nothing. We do still have to get put on the oil. This bug report, Can it be please? And let me know where you would like to. It's right over there. You piece of shit. I'm sorry, Harris. I want to learn by not like just. Yeah, I, 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 I doubt so that. Yeah, so hot. Ha! Wholeheartedly ha, doubt that. Yeah, bones. That's right. This is good. This is good. Kind of sucks. I'm good on the gravel department, thank you. And then I turned oh, rain and snow off.
they called him Sam Neill. It was just something they called him, I don't know why. He even called himself Sam Neill. That's how he signed his checks. I know. I checked. One day, Sam Neon was walking down the street, walking against the traffic. He was hit by a car. He was killed instantly.
dead, that's clear. Kiss the joint for the deep fear. What's that I can't hear? Kind of woman, she got me a fear. Do you know what I'm talking about? The way their eyes lash out, it leaves me no doubt. The window's broken, no need to chip out. The one who did it is the first to shout. I admit it, Ash did it. Entertainers sleep with you And I know it's bad to dwell on the past But to me it's a bug, not a feature Yeah, you know me I was a different kind of creature The one to put back the pieces Even when the baby went up in smoke Yeah, we hope we can make it pass Stop the clock right now Make it last Because
like you did before Kicking in that bedroom door I don't want to know you Yeah, I don't want to know I don't want to know
Why for Pedro show. Start that chunk of music off with amulets doing whirl. And the acoustic guitar makes its reappearance for many <laughs> moons. Network glass from Baltimore out of that with 5.52. Wharton's expanding jazz band. That's Wharton Tears. Uh, fun city. Uh, great studio we had in Manhattan. I got to record with Bob Quine and Steve Shelley, Lee Ronaldo. Abstract. Bombas Prendon after that with Sam Neon. Uh, something brand new from here, uh, East L.A., a new band called Hot Dog Stand, Touch Me when I pee, Where I Pee. You know, I was raised in Navy housing, and it's hard for me to deal with that. When, sort of like the P word, you know, that some people use for this show, but just that <laughs> yeah. word P, man. When I grew up in Navy housing, if, you, if, a, if a, a male used that word... <laughs> You can get a bald spot slapped upside your head. I mean, piss is okay, but that pee, the girl said that shit. But, you know, that's all these weird ways to be masculine. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a cop? They got a brand new album, and here's Eyes Lash Out. Then Bob Buckle Jr. out of Iowa, uh, Dubuque, I think. Uh, Bleach Bones in the Valley. Ah, uh, uh, from Sam Lock Ward uh, in Iowa City. Big release tomorrow, May Day. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. Quarantina Part 11, Yeshua from Joe uh, Cardamone, part of this quarant Quarantina series. And finally, Amulets with Tears in the Fabric. Or no, Tears. Ah, see how English is, people? That yeah. could be that could be Tears. Right, that, <laughs> that, was, tears. that was on purpose, too. I wanted ah. it to be either. I know what you're talking about, Randall. When I wrote yeah. History Lesson Part 2, when I said yeah. we were fucking corn dogs, yes, it can be <laughs> the adjective, but it can also be the verb. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue with your story. So you're in upstate New York doing power pop, starting to write your own tunes. How do you yeah. get to yeah? How do you get to Portland? How do you get to Amulet World? There must have been a whole bunch of stuff in between. Oh yeah, tons of stuff in between. I, I, so I from so from Syracuse. Went to school out in Buffalo, and I was doing, uh, I was studying like, yeah, uh, Buff, uh, University of Buffalo. Oh, okay, because there's two colleges, yeah. and Minutemen got to play Buff State once. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Buff State's great. I went to a bunch of shows at Buff State. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I went, you know, uh, went to the University of Buffalo studying um, filmmaking, actually, and I was really into making videos at the time, too, and... Um, I kind of like took a turn where I started getting into more experimental video and and like doing some more artsy uh, weird videos. And so I think from there I started to experiment. I think that's where I learned um, about circuit bending and I started experimenting more with tapes. And I was just I remember buying uh, a lot of like thrifted toys and tape players and stuff and just kind of play, playing with them and um that's where I really kind of like got a lot weirder, I think, and like took um, what I knew about music and tried to apply it to s certain videos I was making and and making soundtracks for that and stuff. Ah, and, okay. Like a, that's why your stuff has a cinematic uh, quality to it. Yeah, I think that was a big push in that. And I think that it, at that time, too, in college, I was getting into a lot more. Um, metal and and post rock and different and different bands and and more instrumental music in general and I think um, you know from there I, I was living in in Buffalo for a little bit and then I was in different bands too at the time and one was a post rock band and we did a lot of um, instrumental songs and stuff and I th really started to um, explore that more and explore more sound effects and pedals 
and other gear. And um, from there, I moved to Austin. And uh, I was living in Austin for about five or six years. And um, I was trying to find people to play with in Austin. And it was really hard. Um, I felt like, I don't know, like it was just very saturated with a lot of musicians. And like, I couldn't quite find where I I stood in it. So I um, I ended up uh, making Amulets as a, as a side project, even though I didn't really have another project. It was just a project that I was just recording um, by myself with. And I started to play live. And I remember taking a turn where I wanted – I couldn't play live the way I wanted to. And I ended up pivoting the whole project into being something very different where I started to experiment experiment with uh, tapes and tape loops. And I was very inspired by this video on YouTube that I watched um, from Alessandro Cortini of Nine Inch Nails. And he was using a four track um, as an instrument and kind of like playing the faders with these different chord progressions. And I just like became obsessed with that idea and took that and ran. And um, just kind of experimented from there and, and introduced guitars and looping with that and just kind of made my own band out of it. And it was important to call it, give it its own name instead of using your, you know, the name you're born with. Yeah. For me, like I've always felt more comfortable with band names than I don't think I've ever used my my name. Uh, I always felt like, it, you know, it never resonated with me for or like it felt like too like singer songwriter or something to be like. You know, just my name. James Taylor. Yeah, James Taylor. <laughs> sure, that's a great example. <laughs> Dude Boone liked it, Fire and Rain and all that. And yeah. He liked it. Jim Croce, too. There was something about, I think it was the guitar playing. He kind of liked that uh, finger picking and stuff. But, uh, yeah. so, an ambulance gig, was it a lot of equipment? Um, no, it actually, I, I, was it that I, suitcase that I seen on the YouTube video? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I was very into the idea of, um, modular synths too at the time and I couldn't afford many. So I, but I love the concept of the suitcase idea where they kind of like opened up their little modular synth case and it was all, you know, patched and ready to go. Um, and so I took Jim, that idea. Jim O'Rourke had one where the lid was actually the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, if they had keyboards, Alan Ravenstein had one. It was just knobs in in past. Yeah. There was no keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, and that ESL kind of like, or that's, EML or some shit like that. Yeah, that's the idea that I was just like was trying to go for, and I I was figuring out how I could do that with um, my four track setup and my tape loops and and all the gear. And so I just kind of like it became a project to meticulously plan out how everything could fit in a suitcase and um from there um yeah the shows were really uh, pretty minimal because i could just bring my suitcase yeah yeah i could t- bring t- my t- guitar t- and my pedal board and then that was it and i would just i could play a whole show tell, um, me, tell me about the first one the first amulet gig well i mean the first am- amulet gig was was different uh it was because i was trying to do like a darker electronic uh, like witch house genre kind of thing. Witch house, and, I never heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, and like I, it was, I think I wasn't, you know, there was a lot of backing tracks um, because I didn't know what I was doing and I was just playing a couple parts. And so it looked a lot different. It still had like a little tabletop set up with a bunch of gear, 
but I felt like I wasn't really playing that much and relying on a lot of um, a lot, just a lot of assistance from the backing track. And so when I when I pivoted, I wanted to make sure that I could create most of these sounds uh, live and do a lot of looping and build a lot more. Um, and feel more active in what I was doing. And so uh, so the first show, I mean, I think was, I think, I honestly, I think it was probably pretty boring to watch me, like, you know, press a few buttons and just kind of, like, dance around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mean, like, the, what, what's the classic stereotype? The, the, the crap top and the dude hits the space bar. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt like that. I kind of felt like, um, like, I was, like, you know, a, a worse DJ. And, like... <laughs> So you, went, you didn't have the guitar around your neck and shit? No, right? I didn't have the guitar. And I think that was an important part, too, that I realized as I was playing this music and playing live, like, I didn't have the satisfaction that I I did in, in all the previous bands I had played. And, and I think that was because I wasn't playing guitar, because I was missing something that I knew how to do. Yeah. All of this all this stuff was very new to me sure. and didn't provide a lot of confidence. But once I started changing the way I approached amulets, and when I was doing the, the tape looping stuff, I was just trying to think about how I could incorporate guitar because if I were to play this live again, I would want to play with a guitar because I would know that that's always something I could fall back on. That's something I could at least, you know, you know, if everything else fails, like at least I could play guitar and like, you know, fudge my way through the rest of the set or something, you know, and it was kind of like that's provided me some kind of comfort and yeah. knowing that like. That's something I know how to play. Everything else is new to me, but guitar I know. Yeah, but it sounds really practical, you know, even not so theoretical. It's it's a mixture of, you know, being real about reality. Yeah, Look, absolutely. We're at the end of the first hour, April 30, 2021, Dish Watt Pedro Show special guest, Randall Taylor. Hold tight for hour two. April 30, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
perfect. Damn, I'm good. anymore Oh my soul 
Watch for Pedro show. Started the second hour off with amulets doing blooming and Ben Salter out of Tasmania with isolationism. Uh, Justice Yeldon, his brother Lucas in uh, Sydney. Dinosaur and Duck, botanist. I think that's a label mate of yours. Loicandian mm-hmm. Argentium. Yeah, with the electric zither, right, and shit. It's great. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Roberto backwards. <laughs> Ultra bars. <laughs> but he's great. He was on the show a couple months ago, and really inspiring cat. Uh, Chichi Lebre. After that, that's uh, Jason from Caesar's Palace and uh, what's his other pants? Yeah, Pants Exploder. That's a great band name. Um, <laughs> Mi Plato de Barro. Barro. They've got to roll that what? Amulets, finally. The new normal. Okay, so second gig's much different than the first gig, but probably uh, it was an evolution, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was an evolution. It definitely took me a few gigs to realize that I didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, it was definitely, it's all, it's, it's been a constant evolution for sure. Okay, and how long you stay in uh, Austin? So I was there about five or six years, and then, you know, I started Amulets there, and I was kind of playing a few shows there, but it was really, it was kind of hit or miss too. Like as, even when I got the kind of amulets formula that I liked down of like the suitcase and the guitar and everything, it still was kind of hard to find shows and like be paired with the right acts and everything. Um, I think it was just like a lack of knowing many people there. And so eventually I moved to Portland and then, so I've been here the last almost four years and since I once I moved to Portland, you know, I, I think I had built, you know, a, a, a small fan base. You know, I had done a lot of touring out of Austin and and gone all over. And so when I came to Portland, I, you know, some people like actually knew who I was, which was great. And it was a lot easier to um, make new, uh, you know, make new friends and, and get new shows and uh, a lot of other stuff. So it kind of felt like a really good move for me. Now, ambulance touring don't require a van. No, I do it all out of my Honda Fit. <laughs> yeah, that's bitching. Spots yep. did that, you know. Maybe one day with bass, you know, these Class D amps, these little speakers, yeah. neo-midi yeah. speakers. Because that's <laughs> the way, I mean, especially when you're an older punk rock. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I really don't need that much um, space, and the only right. thing I bring along really is that's my so friend, case. my friend Dan, who helps me drive and oh, helps oh, yeah, up okay. the shows, and like he's a he's a great guy, and he's actually on the the new record, and he's reading the poem at the end of Whirl it, Whirl, oh, and um, yeah, so he's the man yeah. behind the man. All right, yeah, he's the he's the he's the screaming voice, and um, yeah, I I like loved you know it was such a beautiful thing that he sent over because I really wanted him to be on the record and like contribute and uh, uh and like he sent that over and i just wrote the music around it and i'm like this song is very different than other songs i've written but you know it was it just felt right to include it especially at the end yeah <laughs> i want to play uh heaviest weight and people maybe it's another pun <laughs> yes <That's> okay <laughs> it is <laughs>
Hot from Pedro Show at Chunk of Music started off with Amulets doing heaviest weight. And that's AIT spell, people. We're in homonym world again, pun rock. Uh, Tommy Dial after that from Alaska. with, And here, I'm going to destroy another language. This is the Gaelic one. So I'm so sorry. Sean Bale Salah. And then John Wayne. And there's no H in that John, people. Texas Polka. It's not the movie guy, you think. A Glimpse Trio, Few and Far. Uh, Waku Waku Kingdom, Brother Shuge out of uh, Berlin with Pure Love. And finally, Empty Tribute, Amulets. So, Randall, you mentioned something last time we spoke, uh, something about composition. And it makes me, uh, I've always wondered this about amulets. Composition, improvisation. Mm -hmm. Well, what part is what? How much is so much? Mm Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit of both for sure. And I feel like um, it's kind of been shifting too over the years. Like when I first started um, recording, I was really into the idea of trying to improvise most of it. And so I would kind of set up the tape loops with the pre-recorded parts, but then I would kind of compile it all together in a, in a live way. And so I remember a lot of my early albums I just kind of hit record on the computer and I just played. And so it was a combination of tapes and the guitars and everything looping. And I would kind of just, I would, I would get done and it would be an eight minute song and I would go to bed and I would kind of listen to it the next day. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And it was all, it was a very much a reaction to what I had previously done, which is just sit in the computer and kind of endlessly tweak things and have, so much going on where I'd never felt like I finished a song. So it, it was a very much a purposeful thing to try to just get songs done and, and try to put something out there. Um, and so for the first few years, I was doing that pr- probably at a very rapid pace where I was just like recording and releasing and recording and releasing. Um, and, and so from there, I think it stopped being, especially the last few albums, I've taken a lot more time and been more intentional with um, composing like in the computer. And I'm still like doing multi-tracking, but not like a ton and I try not to go crazy with it. But, um, you know, it's, it's still like composed. And then there's parts that are improvised that I record over that. And, and especially in the live show, it's like half and half where half is like loosely composed. And then the other half is kind of like, uh, I'm gonna just kind of play a part here and fill this in, and so each time I play, it's a little different. So, like your pre-recorded is like kind of a spine or skeleton that you're hanging. Yeah, it's like a kind of a skeleton. Yeah, because all this, all the tape loops have, um, you know, so many parts recorded to them. But the way I combine them and everything, it becomes yeah a little bit different each time. Now, do you make a distinction between tape loops? And these fucking uh, digital pedals. I mean, I for yeah. I mean, yes. I think that there's um, for me there uh, is a distinct sonic difference that like I, I you know. But I also use both. I feel like there is a very much a, a world where I'm I'm creating um, the analog you know tapes and tape loops are going into digital devices and like coming out and. It's a it's a wild mixture of a lot of different sounds and textures. So so you're no purist. At the end no. of the day, it's what comes out of the fucking speakers, right? No, I, I'm way more about feel and and texture and character and like what it evokes than it is 
um, what like what the tool is. Um, and honestly, there's there's you know there's so much that I I try to look at a lot of things. Um, it's like what can I do with this, or like what can I make out of it, and try to be way more resourceful about um, my approach to certain things. And you know I, that's part of why I like thrifting and like finding different tape players and different weird noisemakers and stuff. I just think that there's a lot of potential in a lot of these things, and especially combined with more sophisticated digital pedals or something that make wilder sounds like the combo can be really interesting and i spent a lot of years kind of exploring the those different sounds hybrid hybrid for sure yeah can i ask you an analog device question Mm -hmm. sure have you ever tried bass have i ever tried bass like playing bass guitar yeah 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 i I have i have a bass oh i did um you know, I'm working on the mind reading, but you're going to have to use yeah. words until I get better at that. <laughs> <laughs> but because I'm a little prejudiced with yeah. that <laughs> area. <laughs> so I was curious, do, does it go into amulet stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, the the bass, uh, I record some bass stuff, but a lot of the, the bass that I use is like fake bass. Because I, in the live setting, I found that like, you know, between... The tape loops and the guitar, you know, you're hitting a lot of mid and high range stuff, but the lower end can get lost yeah. uh, or just isn't there. So, I mean, in an effort to keep being a one man band on my pedal board, I have a, a pitchfork pedal that does a nice job of tracking and doing an octave down. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll kind of put that on and do some big distorted bass stuff that really um it was just really fun and it really opens up the songs and, and makes things a lot bigger yeah yeah that sounds really interesting look we're at the end of the second hour april 30 2021 edition what peter show special guest randall taylor hold tight for hour three april 30 2021 it's the third hour of the what for pedro show
Show. Started the third hour off with amulets doing collapse in memory. Then somebody called Heinbach on mm -hmm. darker days. And the amulets live. I found some live amulets. And this is how I kind of stumbled onto Heinbach. I was on the YouTube.com thing searching around. This was Ambient Walkman Symphony. Great fucking piece. Around. And, no, thank uh, you. But also, I got turned on to this doc. It's called Tape Wizards. And, yeah, and this what? Tell me about this. Um, so last fall, well, I guess not even last fall, or whatever. A couple of years ago, a um, a student reached out to me, and he was like, "I'm a student at Notre Dame, and I got this grant to film this uh, and make a mini doc. Um, and I want to come out to Portland and follow you around for a few days and make." a short film about you for for this project. And I, I said, okay, that sounds weird that you want to follow me around, but I could be the subject of your of your doc for sure. And so it was really it was really awesome. Like he did a great job. Um and he, we just he I just kind of shared my life with him of like what I do kind of on a day to day basis, how I make my sounds, you know, kind of just shared um my studio with him and we I kind of timed it out too. I, I told him that I was releasing a new album and it was you know I was having a album release show with it and that he should come around that time so he could kind of get the build up to that and then film the show and um you know do all of that so um but he you know he he made it he did a really great job he sent it to a few festivals I think he got um, recognize that a few of them, uh, maybe won some awards. I'm not entirely sure, but, um, then he gave me a copy and he just told me to put it
put it online if I wanted to. And um, from there, it's just kind of like uh, blown up a little bit and a lot of people have watched it and it's been really interesting to see people's reactions to it. And I, I think it's important too, because I, I think that, you know, not only do I share my life and workspace with with everyone, but I, I share my face, which is, I think, a, you know, I'm, especially on YouTube and Instagram and stuff, like I don't, I'm not talking or showing my face a lot. It's just, you know, tapes in my hands and stuff. And so I think for people to see me and see me in my element, I think it was, um, was really was really nice. You know, it was a nice way to introduce the the man behind all of this, I guess. Right. And look, this idea of community because like right, the one man band. But you're a guy, you know there's other there was probably uh, guys working with tapes before you. Uh, Absolutely. And, and totally. Like like I mentioned this cat uh Heinbach, right? Yeah. Uh, so how important is that? I mean, you're inspired but in another way you're you might be inspiring them also. Totally. Well, I think, I mean, I, I'm friends with Heinbach and, and he and I have, uh, you know, kind of, kind of gone back and forth and worked on a few things and stuff. And over the years, like, I think we came up in the same way and like, we've kind of gone in different paths, but, you know, I think that we've, we've used tapes and different experiences with, uh, analog, uh, mediums and stuff, um, over the years to, I think to build an audience and to build a following and to, and, and all of this stuff. But, um, I think it's really important. I think that we both recognize that there are definitely people, you know, before us and after us who are going to be using tapes and we're just another part of that history. And, and you know, I never, I always say that I never claim to have made the tape loop at all. Like I'm just a, another person using it as a tool and that, um, that, it is part of a richer history and, and I'm, and I'm so awesome, awesomely proud to be doing the work I'm doing and, and to help inspire others too. It wasn't, you know, my intention to go out and inspire other people, but the fact that my work can do that and to reach other people and um, give them inspiration to try their own uh, experiments and stuff, it just, it makes me so, so happy. Yeah. It's fucking happening. And you're aware of Delia Derbyshire, right? That she performed the first Doctor Who theme, and that was all tape. That was no, mm. no, no, no synthesizer. All that tape. was that was that was all tape. Really. Now it's way before cassettes, of course. They're running around right. door handles and like, uh, yeah, yeah, t- chairs and shit. <laughs> Here, yeah. I want to play a collab you did with Midwave.
ネズミの嫁入り昔昔ある家のオクラの中にお米を持って麦を持って泡を持って豆を持って大層豊かに暮らしているお金持ちのネズミが住んでおりました子供がないので神様にお願いしますと、やっと女の子が生まれました。その子はずんずん大きくなって、輝くほど美しくなって、それはネズミのお国で誰一人比べるもののない日本一いい娘になりました。こうなると、もうネズミの仲間には見渡したところ、とても娘のお婿さんにするようなものはありませんでした。ネズミのお父さんとお母さんは、うちの娘は日本一の娘なのだから、何でも日本一のお婿さんをもらわなければならない、と言いました。そこで、この世の中で誰が一番偉いかというと、それは高い高い空の上から世界中を明るく照らしておいでになるお日様の他にはありませんでした。そこでお父さんはお母さんと娘を連れて天へ登っていきました。そしてお日様に、お日様、お日様、あなたは世の中で一番偉いお方です。どうぞ私の娘をお嫁にもらってくださいまし、と言って、丁寧にお辞儀をしました。すると、お日様はニコニコなさりながら、それはありがたいが、世の中には私よりもっと偉いものがあるよ。とおっしゃいました。お父さんはびっくりしました。まああなたより偉い方があるのですか。それはどなたでございますか。それは雲さ。私がいくら空でカンカンてっていようと思っても、雲が出てくるともうダメになるのだからね。なるほど。お父さんはそこで、今度は雲のところへ出かけました。雲さん、雲さん、あなたは世の中で一番偉いお方です。どうぞ私の娘をお嫁にもらってくださいまし。それはありがたいが、世の中には私よりもっと偉いものがあるよ。お父さんはびっくりしました。まああなたよりも偉い方があるのですか。それはどなたでございますか。それは風さ。風に吹き飛ばされては私もかなわないよ。なるほど。お父さんはそこで今度は風のところへ出かけていきました。風さん、風さん。あなたは世の中で一番偉いお方です。どうぞ私の娘をお嫁にもらってくださいまし。
それはありがたいが世の中には私よりもっと偉いものがあるよお父さんはびっくりしましたまああなたよりも偉い方があるのですかそれはどなたでございますかそれは壁さ壁ばかりは私の力でもとても吹き飛ばすことはできないからねなるほどお父さんはそこでまたのこのこ壁のところへ出かけていきました壁さん壁さんあなたは世の中で一番偉いお方ですどうぞうちの娘をお嫁にもらってくださいましそれはありがたいが世の中には私よりもっと偉いものがあるよお父さんはびっくりしましたまああなたよりも偉い方があるのですかそれはどなたでございますかそれは誰でもないそういうネズミさんさ私がいくら真っ四角な顔をして硬くなって頑張っていてもネズミさんは平気で私の体を食い破って穴を開けて通り抜けていくじゃないかだから私はどうしてもネズミさんにはかなわないよなるほどとネズミのお父さんは今度こそ本当に真から感心したようにポンと手を打ってこれは今まで気がつかなかったじゃあ私どもが世の中で一番偉いのですねありがたいありがたいとニコニコしながら威張って帰っていきましたそして帰ると早速お隣の中助ネズミを娘のお婿さんにしました若いお婿さんとお嫁さんは仲良く暮らしてお父さんとお母さんを大事にしましたそしてたくさん子供を産んでオクラのネズミの一家はますます栄えました
Watch the Pedro Show. Started off that last chunk of music for this edition. Midwife and Amulets in a collab doing Heaven. And then the Mouse Bride from Fusan. Finally, Amulets, Severed Seas. Now, that ain't on the new record, people. That's from older. But very good. And tell me about this collab you did with Midwife. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Midwife... We first, well, we first met at a, um, we both were playing this festival in uh, Columbia, Columbus, Columbia, Missouri, yeah. and we, well, that's where we met, and I've been a big fan of Midwife, and it was really cool to meet her, and um, yeah, we just became friends uh, after that, and, you know, definitely talked about um, doing a collab at some point, and and actually, that's where I first learned that she was going to release her first album on Flenser, and I was very excited for her, and I was jealous at the same time. I was like, oh, I want to be on Flenser, too, and it's really funny that, oh, you know... Oh, that's how it uh, happened. I mean, Fred... Well, I mean, it, it, was, it kind of started with that conversation and a, and a, a few others. I think I, I knew a few other people that were also on Flenser, so it kind of just became this thing where I started having more conversations with them, and... Um, could point to like all the people that I knew on Flinzer and There's stuff. There's a and, lot of good music coming out of there, man. Absolutely, uh, yeah, and, and it's really it's really awesome to be part of that for yeah. sure. It makes me feel like you know the old days with the Hooskers and the Black Flag, the Minutemen and Meat Puppets. And there's something about being you know where you're not copying each other, but like you're all on the same boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an it's an interesting place to be for sure. Like it's so awesome that no one's like quite the same but there's there's a thread between everyone that's like really interesting yeah absolute absolute so i, I like what they're doing there and i, and I think what think what you dudes or musicians did mm -hmm. this collab was happening who went first uh Matt, uh midwife went first and recorded uh that song and had sent it to me and and asked me to like kind of lay down um, some guitar or whatever I wanted over it. And so I ended up doing um, a lot of like guitar work on it. And I kind of made this like swelling soundscape in the back. And so that's kind of included throughout the whole song. And there's some um, parts that get a little distorted and stuff. But yeah, I kind of just contributed toward that. And um, then she sent me back the, the mixed final product and it was just worked and was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that a newer thing? For you, because you say you're mainly a man alone guy, but so dealing with somebody else's music, it's it's kind of another way to be to do music, right? Absolutely, I, I think that like um, you know, I think for Amulets as a one man band is is definitely that that's the way it's been. But I've been through this, I've been getting more opportunities to collab with people and yeah, and great. to get like I get hired for commission work and remixes and stuff, and so yeah. to use my talents and my gear and the, the my approach and everything um, uh, to add to other people's music has been a, a real, has become a job for me. And it's been really amazing to be able to, to say that. Oh, bitchin'. And where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I mean, everywhere now. <laughs> um, no, do you, you know, have I'm your on Instagram, YouTube, Bandcamp. No, I'm you know, asking you. Facebook. I'm asking you if you have, if, do you have your own website? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, amuletsmusic.com. Okay, so A-M-U-L-E-T-S-M-U-S-I-C dot com, people. Check it out. Yep. It's a great site. I've been there. I made it mm -hmm. sound like I didn't know, but I did. I went and checked it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> What's your next plan? Because this record just came out. Of course, you can't tour yet. So, but are you working on new material? Yeah, I'm actually. Um, I'm, I have this artist residency next week, and I'm going out to this place on the Washington coast called Suwester or Southwester. And I'm staying there for a week, and I'm going to start working on some new music. And so I think it's a. It feels like a good time to, you know, start working on a new record. And um, I got some new ideas and. Uh, excited to see what happens. And what do you do? You bring the suitcase up there? Yeah, bring the suitcase, bring the pedal board, bring a lot of different recording gear. You know, it's kind of like limitations, too. Of like, I don't want to bring too much stuff, right, so right, I'm going right. to try to figure out what I can do with certain things. And um, But yeah, you know, I think that it's going to be an inspiring place to be, and I think that I'm excited to see what comes out. And when you record, mm-hmm. is, it, is it in a pewter? Yes, it's uh, yeah, I, I do this all. But you use it like you use it like a tape machine, like I do, right? Yeah, I mean, the, I have had songs where I've definitely recorded on a four track directly to it, and then bounce it into the computer. But um, yeah, lately it's just been kind of like taking all of the sounds and making them outside the computer, and then just bringing them in, them in to record. Right, right. That makes good sense. It's been a big, big. Uh, honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Randall. When you get this fucking Washington State music recorded, will you come back on the show? We can play it and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it'll it'll be a little bit, but I can definitely no, no, no. come back like, and, and and talk about it. I'd love to share it with you. Okay, like Orson Welles said, we will sell no wine before it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Truly, yeah. Keep on Thank keeping you. on, brother. It's been people. It's been April 30, 2021, and just what Pedro shall keep your powder dry.